0: This week's episode is sponsored by Audible. Get a free copy of the new Unshakable by Tony Robbins and many other audiobooks at investlikeaboss.com slash audio and sign up for a free Audible trial. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology
1: to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Episode 78 of Invest Like a Boss. Sam, it's awesome to be with you in the US, even though we're on st- separate sides of the country.
1: <laughs> Dude, who would have who thought we'd be in the US at the same time together as much as we're abroad and love being abroad. Uh, and we're, on, we're splitting the coast. So we got East Coast. I think you're on the East Coast now. And I'm in the West Coast. I just landed in LA yesterday and popped up to Santa Barbara for a couple days of wine tasting.
0: Yeah, so I'm in Florida right now in Miami and somebody messaged us asking if we were both in Thailand and I was like, "No, we're we're actually both in the US." Which doesn't which shouldn't be weird because we're both American, but I haven't been back in a year and you're not here that often either.
1: Well, give me your immediate thoughts before we jump into the buzzing world of Bitcoin. It's different, man. Like there's a lot of little things that I completely forgot that was
0: normal. Like for example, uh, I went to the Yard House yesterday. And which is a you know bar restaurant, and I asked for the bill. Asked if I could pay with a credit card, and I'm so used to having them bring a portable card reader to the table in you know across Europe, and I guess you know in Asia as well. And Mm when they, when he he said, "Yeah, of course we take card," and he kind of just waited and just 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 stood there for me to give him my card, and I was standing there waiting for him to bring the card reader over, and it was just so awkward.
1: (laughs) <laughs> well, I tell you what, man, I can't get used to the prices here. It's every I just came from Hong Kong, which is one of the most expensive places in the world, but California's no dog. This place is mega expensive. I'm talking wine tastings, like $60 for two people, and uh, I don't even get a slightest buzz on. So beautiful, beautiful state. I absolutely love California, the geography and everything, but its it's hard to warm up to the prices here.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely feel the same. And I've noticed a huge increase in prices for everything. I mean, even as far as, you know, airborne, which is this, you know, multivitamin that I take after I, after I fly is now $16 for, you know, a packet of it. And I, and I remember it being half that cost. So I, I think almost everything has gone up. I'm spending on average $10 for a takeaway lunch nowadays. And yeah. it's just not the same as it used to be. And what's really crazy is so I met up with a bunch of, you know, marketers that are based from Miami. And when I told them how little it costs to live in a place like Thailand, you know, and how much money that I can save and put into investments, whether it's Bitcoin or real estate or index funds or whatever it is, it really blew their mind. And all of them started thinking, hey, if I can start living and working location independently, I could put so much more money into investments that make me money.
1: Uh, Speaking of the prices going up of everything, we're going to talk about cryptocurrencies in a minute. And (laughs) I think it's everything's doubled since the last time we talked about it like a month ago. But, you know, everyone out here, all my buddies in California and stuff, you know, we're all getting into our mid 30s. Nobody has kids. Nobody wants to have kids. And it's kind of sad. But the truth is, is it's extremely difficult after you pay taxes and pay for all these things they say inflation is one to two percent. I don't see it. I see everything like you said doubled in prices. Everything's extremely expensive. I don't know how people get by the rent, uh, the taxes, the just general living cost, and then you have all the insurance uh, and cars and stuff. So it's uh, it's trouble because wages definitely are not not on the increase that I've seen anywhere. Uh, so I would definitely yeah. you know recommend trying to try to try to reposition everything in your life that you might be able to get. That flexibility to go abroad and do some of the things that that Johnny's uh, of course doing, and, and so am I.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I, it's, I think it's pretty safe to say that if you guys are not getting ahead, you guys are losing like a lot. I mean, just just holding cash nowadays, we're losing a ton of money. It's worth le- no, it's getting worth less, not only with inflation, but with the cost of everything rising as well. So. That's why I'm so happy to have this podcast so we can share what we are doing to grow our, our income so these things don't affect us as much. And today's episode is going to be really exciting. It's going to be all about Bitcoin. This is going to be a one-on-one episode where we are going to step you through, should you own Bitcoin? Should you own other altcoins like Ether and all these other ones? Uh, if so, how much should you buy and where and how to actually buy and invest in Bitcoin, which is something that people ask about all the time. Then we're going to go into things that you might not have thought about, like how to safely store your Bitcoin mm-hmm. and what the plan of action is to either sell, buy, you know, buy more or hold. And we'll go into what we personally did. Both Sam and I both own Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. So
1: let's kick it off. And just because Johnny and I are so bold, we're even going to talk about some of our own predictions, which we don't always like to do about. But I think Bitcoin is so hot that it justifies what we think is going to happen in the world of cryptocurrencies and where we think it's going to go. And just for any of the listeners that are new to the show, if you want to hear two other episodes that we've already done, we'd had Chris Dunn on, who's one of the, the smartest guys in crypto trading back on episode 38. And we talked a lot about Bitcoin as a concept, cryptocurrencies as a concept, how the blockchain actually works and some ways that you can get initially started. And we also had on Ivan on tech to talk about the difference in Bitcoin and Ethereum back in episode 71, just about two months ago. Uh, and that starts talking about kind of the future of the Internet, how all this, this digital currencies can play out and participate in Web 3.0. So if you haven't listened to those, please listen to those because they're excellent episodes. And I'll also give you a little bit of a background and a preface for this episode as well
0: yeah definitely and it's actually kind of nice being able to jump straight in without explaining first what is bitcoin because i right. it was every time <laughs> i see anything on the news or anything about it you know when they're going to talk about bitcoin they always start like well you know they start first with what it is i think we all know what it is by now there's so much information out there so the question is should you own bitcoin and do you have an answer for that johnny yeah so i believe 100 percent that some type of Either cryptocurrency or digital currency is the future. It is here to stay. It's just it, it it just it's just so much needed. It's almost like the internet itself, where we got you know, got by without it for so long. But once you have it, you realize, hey, this is so much easier. This just makes so much sense, especially in a digitized economy now. You know, all of us are, you know, international. I was traveling and in my little, you know, passport uh, wallet holder, I realized I have a euro, US dollar, um, Polish zloty, and Ukrainian mm-hmm. grievna, as well as some Thai bot. And this is ridiculous. you know. Like it's it's We're, we're no longer in a cash economy. We're uh, moving all around the world now, and we're doing business all around the world. It just doesn't make sense to ha- you know sp- spend all these fees at these ridiculous banks like Bank of America's, you know, in Wells Fargo. These are all terrible, terrible places to invest or put your money. So... I 100% believe that some type of online, you know, digital currency is the future. So Might the, not be Bitcoin though.
1: The funny, the funny thing is about two of those currencies you just said is it, you could probably find more people traveling around the world that would be willing to accept a Bitcoin or some type of cryptocurrency as payment instead of <laughs> your Ukrainian or Polish money.
0: Yeah, and, and that actually is pretty funny, and it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Here's a good example of some type of uh, cryptocurrency or an altcoin, I guess, that is super useful and actually being used by big banks. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of Ripple?
1: I have heard of Ripple. I look at it every day because I always pull up the Coin Market coinmarketcap.com is a really good resource just for a quick look at the top 100 coins and and where they're trading at. So I always see it popping up. um, And I want to hear more about it from you, Johnny. I'll just say that I was just in Hong Kong at this uh, little kind of underground Bitcoin talk, and they didn't talk about Ripple. So I was hoping they would, but they didn't. But I know it, it is useful in the sense of banks. So tell me more.
0: So, Ripple is a great example of a type of cryptocurrency that is very useful, that's being adopted by big banks. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when I was in Spain, they were using Ripple to transfer money between their branches, especially international ones. So they didn't have to pay as much in you know, uh, foreign transaction fees, the currency fees. And it was just you know, much faster. It's instant. Now, the reason why no one ever talks about Ripple is because it doesn't go up and down in price like things like Bitcoin and uh, on these other coins. It's not a speculative coin. The reason why banks use it is because it's a stable coin where they know that if they move... You know 5 million dollars from one branch in Spain to another branch in you know Germany it's not going to suddenly lose you know 50% or go up you know or even take the gamble of having it go up by 50%. Mm-hmm. So this is a a case of a really really good you know useful alt, you know altcoin that I believe is going to you know is here to stay and I think this is the type of coins that are going to be the future. Now with Bitcoin the reason why it gets so much hype is because it just goes up and down value and people you know ju- you know people talk about it and people invest in it not because necessarily of its use case because there are better use cases like ripple for example but mm-hmm. they they talk about it just because it's going up in value
1: well and they also talk about it because now its market cap is 200 billion dollars 200 billion with a b which is like johnny said Five times, is it five times? Four times as big as the second biggest coin, Ethereum. And about six or seven times as big as the third biggest coin, which is Bitcoin Cash, which is a a spinoff slash fork off of the main Bitcoin. And just to give you guys a quick example of how quick cryptocurrencies are growing, the market cap of cryptocurrencies is now $350 So almost coming up on half a trillion dollars. And this is almost double, Johnny. Th- since I think we talked about it last. Now, like you know, talking about a stock doubling or, or something to that degree in just a month is one thing, but we're talking, a, almost, we're talking about one hundred and seventy-five billion dollars in growth in the cryptocurrency market capitalizations just in about a month's time since we've been we since we last talked about this.
0: So, here is the the question: Is should we be buying? Bitcoin or should we be buying some kind of alternative coin like Ether?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, I just spent a long time in Hong Kong. Hong Kong is is one of the best places in the world if you want to study and pay attention to what's happening in the cryptocurrency markets and the cryptocurrency world. And that is because China is a super, super hot market. Even though it's banned, you have all these Chinese coming over from the mainland across the border as they always do it's th- like this is this is not changed just because of cryptocurrency for centuries they've been bringing over all types of you know quote unquote money putting them in in safe storage in hong kong now with hong kong being a generally separate and having its own rules as china they've been bringing over you know luggage full of gold and sit sa- and storing it in safety deposit boxes uh or trying to get their money out of RMB because it, it's very difficult to get your money out of RMB in China. So now you have people coming over and Johnny, the scene is incredible. They have these Bitcoin exchanges and I, I had the the pleasure of going and spending about six or seven hours one day at a Bitcoin exchange. And I just sat there and all I did was just pay attention and look at what's happening. And you have these people coming in and they're just, they have ATMs so you can buy and sell Bitcoin through these ATMs, you walk up, you put cash in, you you put up your wallet you know, with a QR code and boom, Bitcoin or whatever coin goes into your wallet. And likewise, you can sell it. You can go right there on the spot. You can sell a Bitcoin. You can sell Ether. You can sell whatever. And it, money comes out of the ATM uh, and not like a little bit of money. Some people are selling a Bitcoin. So they're getting you know $10,000 out of these ATMs. That, that's amazing. And I think if, if we can see that, it just makes it more
0: real. I think it does. there there was a concept like that in New York years ago, but it got shut down. Of course, I mean, and, yeah. you know, the U.S. regulations, especially like the then you had the like local New York regulations. They just shut down the you know I, I thought what they called it, but it was like the, the New York Bitcoin exchange, which was actually right next door to mm-hmm. the stock exchange, but. Without being able to see a place like that, without being able to physically go somewhere and put money in, take, and more importantly, take money out, I think for a lot of people, it doesn't seem real yet. It doesn't seem like it's it's yeah. a,
1: a tangible asset. Well, this clearly showed the demand and on both sides. and And they also had all these trading screens up, and you could see the volumes real-time around the world of the different exchanges. So you really start getting a picture of just how many people are participating in this. And to go back to what you're saying is, should we be buying this? Maybe we did, we kind of roll this into some of our predictions. And one thing that really helped me get my head around where cryptocurrencies are right now and where they could go is, have you heard of this, this law called Metcalf's law? No, what does that mean? So it's basically like, I, I'm pretty sure I said that right, but it, it essentially is, it's basically the network effect, right? Uh, and I'm sure you've heard this in, in different ways for different things. But for instance, let's say Facebook, if one person's using Facebook, it essentially has zero value. But if, you know, 3 billion people are using it, there's a tremendous amount of value. Same with cell phones. If, if only one person has a cell phone and a cell phone number, there's very little value in that actual network. But if, you know, an entire country is using it, then there's, there's massive value in that. And it tries to, it tries to, it basically looks at how many users there are, and looks at the square root of the connected users in that system. And then it tries to place a value on what that, whatever that system is, like a price value. And the, the people that study Metcalfe's law have been looking at cryptocurrencies, specifically Bitcoin, and saying, yes, it actually looks like it's going to follow this rule or this law. And they try to equate that to a certain price and price target. And what they found was, Back when the initial Bitcoin bubble bust in uh, 2000, I want to say 2013, when it spiked to a thousand and then dropped, if you look at a chart of that, of where it was, the price was in relation to how many people, like how many wallets were outstanding, it was extremely bubbly. But if you look at it, whereas today we're ever saying everyone's saying bubble, bubble, bubble. But if you equate that to how many actual users there are in the system, how many people actually have wallets and have bought coins it's not a it doesn't look like a bubble at all it looks like it the price could theoretically go five times tomorrow and and basically just be getting to the level of where it bust back in 2013 so the people that are on you know, on the pro uh the pro bitcoin pro crypto growth side are saying it's not even close to being a bubble it could go four or five times tomorrow just with the amount of users that are in the system today but of course we know Hundreds of thousands of new users are signing up every single day now.
0: You know, that's a really, really good study that you brought up um, because, to be honest, it feels like a bubble. And the reason why I say that is I'm sitting at a Starbucks and you have these, you know, people in their 50s and 60s sitting next to me talking about, you know, how their grandson, you know, invested in a Bitcoin and it just, it just reminds me of 2007 when I was sitting around and I hear my my barber ta- saying that they just bought real estate and invested in real estate mm-hmm. so it just feels like bubble especially because you know I think um, over Thanksgiving weekend you know uh, you know thirty thousand or three hundred thousand new accounts were created or something you yeah. know a, a lot and it's because everybody's talking about it and then they're at Thanksgiving dinner they have their you know their teenage um, Know, nephew or someone there and they just set them up on coinbase and it it definitely to me feels like a bubble and i can i and if it popped i wouldn't be surprised but at the same time you know it makes also makes a lot of sense that this isn't the same as you know everybody jumping into it, investing in real estate this is almost like everybody hopping on and creating a Facebook account or an mm-hmm. Instagram account, and then
1: seeing the value of that platform growing because there are more users. Yeah. James Alcher was just on CNBC. And I'm sure some people call it that. Uh, and he and another guy were basically saying their predictions, which was Bitcoin would be at 1 million by 2020. John McAfee, who bought a, basically is now the owner of the biggest mining operation in the US. For Bitcoin has also said he's moved his price target from 500,000 to a million by 2020. And he said if he is wrong, he will eat his own penis on national TV. (laughs) So there's a lot riding on that for him. But, but, you know,
0: here's my only thing about Mm -hmm. predictions is, you know, with not just with Bitcoin, but with everything in the world, it feels like if somebody predicts something correctly, they're a genius. But if someone Predict something incorrectly, nobody really cares, or nobody thinks about it, and people kind of just forget. I mean, you know, even James Altucher, you know, who I love this guy, and he was on our show. He predicted uh, that with one hundred percent certainty that Amazon was going to come out with a cryptocurrency, or no, Amazon was going to start accepting Bitcoin. You know, last month during their announcement, Mm -hmm. and you know, he predicted that the prices would skyrocket as soon as Amazon um, started accepting it, and he was one hundred percent certain. And, you know, nothing happened. And, you know, it's not his fault, you know, but if he had, you know, predicted it correctly, everybody would just jump on that and say, look, you know, uh, you know, right. he, he's a genius, he saw the future. But the fact that it didn't happen, everyone's like, oh,
1: okay, well, you know, whatever. People forget, for sure. And that's why a lot of people make these bold, bold predictions, not just in Bitcoin, but in so many other things in life. And I'll tell you what, like, I think the only thing that will stop cryptocurrencies, which is what everybody continues to forget about, is that, okay, if nothing happens, I would say, yes, the prices are going to continue to increase. If you look at who's buying and trading cryptocurrencies right now, do you have, do you have any idea, Johnny, like in terms of countries, the highest trading volume? You know, I would imagine it would be places that
0: have terrible currencies. So, so like that in you know, like China with the RMB and you know maybe other places like Africa where they just can't trust their their currency.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean you're right. So when I saw this chart for the first time I was like, "Wow, that that's actually a really good sign for cryptocurrencies because you would like I was thinking it was the US because every night that I was in Hong Kong and I would wake up the price had moved so much. I'm like, well, that's that's got to be driven all by the U.S., right? The U.S. gets up at basically 9 p.m. Hong Kong time. And that's, you know, I'm going to sleep at 10, 11. And when I wake up, the price has moved so much. So I'm like, oh, that must all be coming from the USA. But actually, it's like you said, it's Venezuela, it's Argentina. uh, It's actually like Poland, uh, Ukraine, Russia, uh, China. So there's all these countries that, I mean, in China, it's banned, right? But it's still it's still moving a lot. But it also shows that, uh, like the trading volume in the UK is, I think, two or three times the size of the USA right now. So it also goes to show that like, you know, big, well capitalized markets like the USA get involved, it's going to it's going to continue to fuel the demand. However, what everyone that I see is talking about Bitcoin, you know, James Alcher and John McAfee, they obviously have vested interest in coins, right? They're they, they hold millions of dollars in coins, so they want to see the price go up. But what everyone forgets about is the governmental and systemic risk that's taking place right now, and that is that the governments and the banks do not want this to succeed. And that alone is enough to squash cryptocurrencies, not completely. They can't stop them completely, but they can make it very, very uncomfortable to get in to trade them, to buy them, to own them. To move them, they can make it so that merchants can accept them, such as Amazon, for instance. And you have to, one has to think that banks that own fiat currency have that fiat, fiat currency extended in loans all around the world that's tied up for, say, 30 years in mortgages, making 3 or 4% a, a year. Meanwhile, that fiat currency is devaluing to cryptocurrencies at 4% pretty much every single day, right? So if banks, Get scared that this, this could be new money. This new money economy could replace them. They're going to start panicking, right? And then U.S. governments, likewise, or governments around the world, say China, which I think is one of the reasons they banned it. They have trillions of dollars in fiat currency debt, such as U.S. debt that's owed to them. And meanwhile, they're looking at that debt saying, holy shit, this is becoming, wor- this could potentially become worthless if these cryptocurrencies rise and become more in demand from everyday consumers and individuals than our fiat currency. And then the the next level of that is gold, right? All governments have tons and tons of gold, trillions of dollars worth of gold. And if that becomes devalued to cryptocurrencies, that is also not a good thing for governments. So I think that's the biggest risk. And that's the X factor that nobody can predict right now is what will governments do uh in the future some some small countries may adopt it some large countries may adopt and support it but if a coalition of governments like the EU the US Russia come on and and make it really really uncomfortable or just outright ban it it's going to put a ton of downward pressure on the prices yeah i definitely agree and i also agree that it's never going to go away completely
0: but it can it can be like I mean, probably the easiest example is online gambling or online casinos. They can, people will always find a way to continue doing it. But mm-hmm. just like with online gambling, they just made it really, really hard to cash out, to be able to transfer money, you know, to and from your bank accounts. And the government definitely has hundred percent control of doing that. So, you know, it, there are, there are a ton of risks with Bitcoin and all the cryptocurrencies. But at the same time, We know that it's very useful. It's not going anywhere and has potential of, you know, really, you know, making our dollars worth less money, which is the number one reason why people aren't investing is the FOMO effect, the fear of missing out.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. I'm actually, you know, I've always said that my annuities were one of my favorite investments because they just tick along at 2% a year, 3% a year, 4% a year in some cases. But now I'm looking at that stuff like, wow, if, if this, if the adoption of cryptocurrencies continues at this rate, you know nothing's going to happen in, in say, a year. But in five years, that 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 money that I can't really touch in those annuities, those dollars are going to be so worthless in, compared to, or so, so devalued compared to cryptocurrencies. So, if cryptocurrencies, wherever to come up and and replace it or become an equal, you, you really could have a hyperinflationary. Uh, effect on on fiat currencies. And that's why I that's why I think that the governments are going to step in and and do something at some point. I don't know what's going to be, but I think there's just too many people that will get hurt. For like retirees and stuff. If this new money comes in and and sort of replaces it or works in parallel to fiat currencies. I definitely agree
0: 100%. And there's so there's definitely a lot of risks. And we're going to talk about how to safely store your Bitcoin and kind of mitigate some of those risks. Mm -hmm. But first, let's talk about how much should you actually buy. So my theory, my thought, and what I would recommend is everyone should own one Bitcoin if you can. But with the stipulation of having it not be more than five or maybe – Maximum 10% of your total net worth. And the reason why I say that is because there is a huge chance that you're going to lose that Bitcoin, mm-hmm. whether it gets stolen from you, it gets hacked, or it devalues, or it gets chained, you know, or, you know, people stop using Bitcoin and they switch over to a new type of coin. If you invest in it, just be aware that there is, I would say, 50% chance of you losing that. Investment completely, one hundred percent. But the reason why I still recommend everyone should own, you know, one Bitcoin, you know, which is currently, you know, worth ten thousand dollars. But by the time you listen to this, it could be worth a lot more or a lot less. But the reason why that one Bitcoin is kind of a good target is you kind of mitigate that that the risk of, you know, the FOMO where you're not going to miss out, you know, since you own a whole coin. But at the same time, if you lose all of it. Hey, you took a gamble. There was a chance that you knew there's a 50% chance of it going to zero and losing 100% of value, but at the same time, there is also a 50% chance of it increasing
1: in value by more than 100%. Yes, yeah, I agree. Um, where are you currently with your holdings, Johnny, in terms of your net in terms of your net wealth and to cryptocurrencies? So, I messed up a bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, you lost some coin? So, so I've been trying to buy Bitcoin for six months now. If you guys go back in the old episodes, I kept talking how, you know, I I wanted to you know own a a Bitcoin, and this was when it was at like three thousand dollars a coin. Mm-hmm. And it just took me so long to get my accounts approved by, you know, Coinbase and Kraken and you know these other exchanges. And Especially because I wasn't in the US. I was actually in Ukraine at the time. So imagine how difficult it is to verify oh, you, my bank accounts So I'm from there. <laughs> yeah, right. So by the time I bought in, it was at $4,500. And I ended up buying more than one coin. I think I ended up buying you know, two and a half coins in total because I, I set up a bunch of um, buy orders, which we'll talk about uh, in a second. And I had it. And because of the fear of it changing over to, to and you know and being worth nothing mm-hmm. i ended up selling early and i should have listened to my own advice i should have you know kept that one coin but i didn't and i messed up so where would you buy that and would you sell it at so i made a little little bit of money i i, I bought it at f- i think i bought one coin at uh, 4500 one coin at 5500 and one coin at um, the five thousand, so, mm-hmm. and I ended up selling it. I think at five six or something. So I ended up making a bit of money, but you know, obviously, it's worth a lot more now. Um, but the reason why I sold it, and this is actually one reason why maybe you shouldn't follow Bitcoin too closely, and you should, you know, kind of wait until things actually happen, mm-hmm. is there was a big, big um, fear f- for a while that. People were going to move over and actually start using Bitcoin Cash uh, right. or another coin uh, instead of the normal Bitcoin. And I think that was triggered because of the the fork that was supposed to happen that ended up not happening. Right. And either way, my my plan was actually to cash out on Bitcoin and put all the money in Ether. And if I did, I would have been a freaking genius because <laughs> Ether has gone up actually more than Bitcoin mm-hmm. uh, recently. And actually, that's actually a a good gateway into what type of coin you should buy. You know, I believe that, you know, everyone should try to own one Bitcoin, uh, you know, but only up to 5% of your net worth. And the reason why I say 5% or 10% if you really want to gamble is if it doesn't, you know, go anywhere, if you lose it all, or if it gets hacked or stolen or, or, you know, other, otherwise you lose it, it's not going to affect you too much. But with Ether, I think a lot of people don't realize. Even though Bitcoin gets all the hype, Bitcoin has gone up by one thousand four hundred percent in value this last year, which mm-hmm. is a lot, which is crazy. But Ether, it's gone up by six thousand, and people wow. don't talk about it. Yeah, and the reason why, I like Bit- uh, Ether, is it actually has a very legitimate use case. Like you can mm-hmm. actually, you know, there and you know, without going too much into it, you can listen to the other episode uh, with Ivan on Tech. But for me, like. You know, Ether is where I would rather actually put most of my money. Yeah. So my personal recommendation would be if you are going to invest in some kind of cryptocurrency, I would do 50% Bitcoin, 50% Ether.
1: What about you? I like it. Well, the, the, the most uh, recent that I heard someone intelligently talking about Bitcoin, I, I spent a lot of time the last 10 days reviewing this stuff, going to conferences in Hong Kong, listening to speakers meeting with people that you know have bought every single altcoin out there and people that are are only in bitcoin but what was most useful for me was i actually got a chance to play with cryptocurrencies as a form of payment and what i found is that unfortunately bitcoin and a lot of these these payment mechanisms and exchanges are highly highly inefficient and to some degree they make paypal look like like a a 2050 invention, right? Sometimes send like, and I I get the whole, the whole argument that Bitcoin, it just won't, it will never be able to scale. So when I hear people talk about, you know, that Bitcoin's going to a a million or or 500,000, the the only way that it's going to do that is if it is a true store of value and people equate it more to say gold than a currency. And that that's the most recent that I've heard someone speaking very intelligently, in my opinion, about Bitcoin is they say you can't look at it as a currency. And this guy actually worked for a bank. He's like, you can't look at it for a currency. You have to look at it more as digital gold. And this is the, the millennial's choice of gold. Millennials don't want to buy physical bullion gold, it, like essentially has no intrinsic value and is really hard to to move and um, and transmit as a, as a form of money. And not- I agree with that. And I think uh the kind of point of, of the reason why it's
0: such a good store of value and it's such a good kind of gateway to everything else is I think a lot of people don't realize that if you want to buy an, an altcoin, you know, pretty much any other digital, you know, cryptocurrency out there, you actually have to go through Bitcoin eventually either to buy it or when you sell, it's you're not buying it or selling it with cash, you're doing it with
1: Bitcoin. So people right. always have to go through Bitcoin first. Mm-hmm. Right. So, the, anyways, I, I played around with sending a little bit of Bitcoin here and there and exchanging it to money. And when I, ex- when I sent, say, just like 0.001, which equated to $10 worth of Bitcoin, the transfer fee ended up being about $1.50. So that's almost 15%. And that's why people say that Bitcoin can never be used to buy a cup of coffee. Now, some of these forks could be some of these, these, um, these new altcoins that are based off the same logic that are, are created more scalable could be, but Bitcoin as, as it is today, it would, it could be a, a great store of value, but for small transactions, it, it's never going to be used to buy, say, cups of coffee or things for $10 efficiently. You, of course, you could do it, but it, the the fees on it would be so heavy. Now as you move up and let's say you move you move uh $100,000 worth of bitcoin, the fee is nothing. It's like it can be I think it can be like $4 or something, right? But for small transactions it's it's just not there. So that was kind of a fun little experiment. Um the smartest people that I know, not people on TV hyping it up or anything, but people that are actually engineers, people like Ivan on Tech, people uh I have a couple good friends in in Hong Kong that are you know, our quote unquote Bitcoin millionaires. And they they have been moving a lot of Bitcoin into other coins like Ether. Like you said, Johnny, I know one guy just moved 30% of his Bitcoin holdings into Ether and some into other coins like Dash, Zcash, stuff like that. But in my opinion, I, for any of the listeners that have been listening for a while, they know that I lost a lot of Bitcoin about in, about back in 2012 in Mt. Gox. Uh, sorry, 2013, Mt. Cox started buying in 2012. If it hadn't been for that, if I if I was buying today, I would probably do exactly as Johnny said, I would go 50-50 in Bitcoin Ether, and I would try to get something around two to four, maybe upwards of 5% total in cryptocurrencies with the exact same view of Johnny being that I'm doing it to participate. I'm doing it to participate in the new technology, but with the understanding that this could go to zero and you could lose it like i lost lots of coins in mount gox that i never i've never fully gotten over or recovered from in terms of of my mental capacity to adopt cryptocurrencies so uh, i think that the way that you wrote it out is smart um, i might throw in some Litecoin there just because the volumes on that are are very high and it's accepted by almost all the exchanges so you know i think most people that are going in and buying coins they might buy like all three for instance And if you look at a chart of litecoin it follows almost the exact same chart as bitcoin so i think a lot of people that are buying bitcoin are also buying litecoin just as a percentage uh and the price on that's like a, a dollar or i'm sorry a hundred dollars so if you want to own an entire coin but you don't have <laughs> you don't have uh eleven twelve thousand dollars now to buy a bitcoin you could buy some litecoins but i think that's i think that's a smart way to do it and i i definitely wouldn't go over five percent especially if you're buying today very very good thanks for sharing that and sorry about you your huge loss and and that's
0: a huge part of the downside of cryptocurrencies is things like Mount Gox can and probably will happen again I mean it's yeah it's it's just it's part of the system I mean
1: oh my god so Johnny yeah. you you I haven't shared this yet but you won't believe this man so Mount Gox released their whatever you call it their bankruptcy book and it shows, I can't believe that they did this or were allowed to do this, but it shows the names of every person who filed a bankruptcy claim with Mt. Gox. Have I told you this? No. And it shows how many coins they lost, right? And it shows how much the bankruptcy attorney has approved of their claim. So I went through this. It's it's 1,600 pages of Excel rows. Right. So let's say there's on average 10 people. That's 16,000 per page. That's 16,000 people that filed claims. Bro, I'm telling you, some of these people had tens of thousands of Bitcoin. I was a small fish. Like I had I had a couple dozen or like 30 or something. I was a small fish. People had hundreds, thousands, 10,000. Can you imagine those people right now? Like that may, have, that was probably all their coin. They would have been, you know, some of those people would have been probably worth $500 million in coins right now. So just goes to show you like what, what a fiasco that was and how much people really lost in, in terms of today's value. And most people got, are hopefully getting back what they lost and where, at where the price was back, way back in 2013. Uh, which is a small constellation for what it would have been worth today, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. So, I mean, how much was Bitcoin worth when, when you had
0: bought it in 2013? Um,
1: I think it. I think it went maybe it was 250 okay. um, when, it, when it went under. So, but so, there's a there's a big issue with Mt. Gox right now because they 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 retained a, a lot of coins during the bankruptcy. So what they're trying to pay people out with they have the, the value of the coins is worth like 10 times as much as they're trying to pay people out. And they haven't, they've been sitting on this bankruptcy thing because the price has been going up, up, up. So there's, tr- there's, I think there's going to be a huge lawsuit because basically what they're going to try to do is they're going to sell the coins. They're going to pay people back what they've already cl- uh, approved. But meanwhile, there's like ten, you know, an additional few hundred million dollars that they're going to make when they sell the coins that they're saying that the, the attorneys for the bankruptcy are going to be able to keep, which is total yeah, bullshit, right? But yeah, this is completely. I math. Times.
0: So your 30 coins were worth $7,500, which is great to get that back because you thought you lost that forever. But right. at the same time, if they didn't go bankrupt, they didn't lose your coins, you would have an additional additional house. <laughs> you would have $350,000 right now. Uh, every time I think of it, I just get this... Nauseous pit in my stomach, but you know what? It's important to talk about because it, this is a realistic fear that people need to to have in their minds when they're buying, storing, and you know, and holding Bitcoin. Uh, let's actually talk about how to buy Bitcoin. So a lot of people, you know, are wanting to invest. You know, they understand the risks. So what I would recommend is, even though just like PayPal, it has a ton of problems, especially customer service issues. Their customer service is actually non-existent, but The easiest way to buy Bitcoin is still to go through Coinbase.com.
1: Yeah, I agree. And this is actually when I was playing with it the last week, I realized how much the fees were. It was outrageous. But I agree with Johnny, like especially if you're a first time user, the easiest thing is go on there. It's probably the most trusted. It's FDIC insured. Uh, But if you do take a look at if you're thinking about buying a lot of coin, if you look at the. Uh, spread. So go, you know, take a look at a, a couple of the market rates for Bitcoin. So say let like Bitcoin as at the time of this conversation's almost at twelve thousand. So let's just say it's twelve thousand. If you go on Coinbase and you try to to buy one Bitcoin, they're going to take a massive spread. Let, let's just say it's it could be it could be five percent basically. Uh, and if you try to go sell it, they're also going to take a huge spread. Now they run through an exchange called GDAX, G D A X. And if you have a Coinbase account, you can very, very quickly have a GDAX account. You basically can just sign into GDAX, I think, with like one other piece of information. And just by going there, GDAX is like a real proper exchange. You can save that 5% and basically buy at buy or sell at spot rate. So I would give that a, a quick look for anyone who's looking at buying. A little bit more than just dipping your toe in.
0: Okay. Really, really good advice. Uh, the other advanced exchange I would recommend is Kraken.com. And the reason why I like them a lot is even though it's not as easy to use as Coinbase, the user experience isn't as nice. It's a bit you know, clunky and cluttery. It allows you to buy altcoins as well, not just Bitcoin, Ether, and Litecoin. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, just like buying a stock, you can buy at the market rate, which is what the the prices right now. Or you can set up buy orders at a certain price. So what I did, the reason, the way I got my three Bitcoin was I set my buy orders to buy at a dip. So mm-hmm. at the time, I think Bitcoin was six thousand dollars, and I was like, I didn't want to pay that. It was, mm-hmm. it, I felt like it could go, you know, back down to to five grand. So I put a buy order at five, you know, five thousand five hundred. A buy order at five thousand. And a buy order at 4500 And what happened was overnight, I woke up and I had three Bitcoin at each of those price points. Nice. And the reason why that's important is if it didn't drop, let's say it dropped to 5400 and didn't continue dropping, I would still have that one coin. Mm-hmm. And the, but then by the fact that it does drop more and more, I, I can get in cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. So this is what I would recommend to people, not only when they buy stocks, but also when they buy... Bitcoin or, or Ether, is don't necessarily put all your money in uh, at the market rate it, unless you, for whatever reason, really want to get in at that specific price. If you're if you're like, ah, you know, I wouldn't mind owning another one, but I would only do it if it goes on sale. It's almost like putting in a bid on a house or something for under market value and saying, all right, if I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't.
1: Yeah, and I would say that, as Johnny said with Coinbase, If you guys set up a Coinbase account, just assume that you're doing it by yourself and with their FAQs. You're not going to get any support. I think I wrote them three or four times about a month ago or six weeks ago, never heard back and nobody ever does. But with Kraken, their support is fantastic. I actually think that's something that they're, they're trying to excel at just to fill the void of Coinbase users that are fed up with not getting any support. So they have really good support. Um, I have an account with them. It was pretty easy to get verified, but I haven't, I haven't done anything with it in terms of buying or selling coins. But I thought it was a good idea just to get it and get verified.
0: Yeah. Um, with either Coinbase, Kraken, or any of the exchanges, be prepared to go through a pretty hefty verification process. Mm-hmm. You have to scan in your, your ID. You have to get text message verification. You have to link up your bank and, it might take a while. So if you guys are interested in you know, buying or selling Bitcoin anytime in the future, I would actually start going through that process now because by the time you actually want to buy it, it might be weeks, if not months from now. If you want to buy at a you know higher quantity over a couple thousand dollars, it's very, very easy to buy $250 worth of Bitcoin, but it's very hard to buy 2500 or $25,000 worth of Bitcoin.
1: Right. And also remember that all this stuff is while a lot of it is anonymous and or untrackable in terms of the coins all these exchanges like Coinbase they're all going to be reported to the IRS all your accounts are going to be visible to the IRS especially if if you're a US citizen uh, actually i think just like yesterday there was news that the IRS ordered them to turn over all accounts that have had a trade of more than 20 t- trader holding of more than $20,000 so if you Are doing this stuff, make sure that you keep records. This isn't like a a brokerage account with Vanguard or E Trade where you make trades and you get a statement at the end of the year that shows exactly what your trades were and what what your taxable income is. You're not going to get that. So you have to do this the hard way, the manual way. If you go on and buy a coin and you sell it at a gain, that's a taxable event if you're a US citizen, anyways. You have to keep track of that stuff because all this stuff. The IRS is going to have their hands so full at the end of this year. But if they know that you have an account and you didn't report anything, there's a good chance you're probably going to get a letter saying, we know you did something. You better turn over information. And you don't want that. So just keep track of it and be prepared to report whatever you did at the end of the year. Yeah. And hopefully in a few years, that's all going to be,
0: you know, in like... It definitely will be a feature of Bitcoin and these, I mean, um, Coinbase and these other exchanges to, yeah. to send you a, a tax form. Uh, but it's the end of 2017 right now. It's December. You know, it's just, it, this is the Wild West, though. It's, it's like the internet back in you know, 1995.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So saying,
0: yeah. let's talk about how to actually safely store your Bitcoin. Uh, the first thing I would recommend is just in your exchange itself, use a lot of precaution when buying. And just even set up your account. So, you know, try not to do it in a public place if you do, use a VPN. And a couple things that you want to do, just really easy, is instead of using the same username as you do, you know, for everything else, or using your email or your, you know, your name as your username, just use a different username, you know, add some numbers to it, just to make that part a little bit more secure. Same thing with your password, use something like LastPass or something to auto-generate a complex password with you know, numbers, um, different, you know, symbols like dollar signs and percent signs mm-hmm. and keep that safe. And then set up something like two factor authentication where that, has, you know, send you a text message uh, or even use something called an authenticator, which is basically an app. I know LastPass has one built in that you can download from the App Store. Uh, you can use the Google Authenticator. There's some better ones, but just, you know, very basics. You can download that. And what that does is it, Auto generates a new number, a six-digit number, every every time you go on. And you can use that as a way to log in to your account to sell anything. And that way, if somebody is going to try to steal your coins, they need both your laptop and your phone.
1: Yeah. And as, as the price and market caps of these things continue to grow, this is becoming hackers' playground. This is becoming their paradise because... This stuff is not that it's necessarily easy to hack, but there's loose ends everywhere. A lot of these new exchanges, a lot of the exchanges, like we said, we were just talking about Mt. Gox before. I know a lot of the, the technologies and the exchanges have become a lot more secure, but uh, I would say the majority of hackers in the world are looking at ways to profit from this endeavor like so many other people are. So take the extra steps, protect your investments, and do the the a few extra details to make sure that you know, you set it up as properly as possible.
0: Yep. And most people are going to leave their coins in the actual exchange, whether it be Coinbase.com or Kraken.com. And Mm -hmm. honestly, you know, if you have one Bitcoin or less, it's not, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And, you know, knowing that, you know, There's going to be a chance of you losing it either way, no matter what you do. But if you really, really want to step up the security, you know, if you own a lot of coin, you could look into things like using a hardware wallet uh, or, you know, even a paper wallet where you're literally printing out
1: the keys,
0: putting it in a safety deposit box or in a
1: safe. Right. Yeah, I think all the people that I know that really know this stuff, they're using... The latter, which I believe the security levels go, ex- keep it on exchanges, which is basically just a bad idea. Then you can use a web wallet, which is a slightly safer. Then you can use a software wallet, which isn't, a, say, a website, but it's like an application you download onto your phone or onto your desktop. And then the the next level of security, which is much much more secure, is using a hardware wallet or cold storage. Like Johnny said, you're basically putting the stuff on a USB drive and and putting it in. A safety deposit box and or just putting a piece of paper with your uh, private keys into a safety deposit box.
0: Yeah, and if this all sounds too complicated for you even to start, but you really want to participate and you know, and own a coin, just start having it in your exchange and at some point look at, slowly look into moving it off of the exchange because as Sam mentioned earlier with amount Gox, you know, exchanges get hacked and you can lose your entire investment you know so definitely have that in the back of your mind but don't st- have it stop you from getting started which is one of the reasons why it took me so long to start you know buying um, bitcoin and i think a lot of people you know why they're waiting till thanksgiving um, when they're meeting with their
1: family to have somebody walk through it when they could have just figured it mm-hmm. out themselves on coinbase yeah that's a good point about thanksgiving and i, I would recommend it. That- Anyone who's doing this stuff, just ask around in your peer group uh, or your family. If you're, you know, if, if you're, say, you know, retired and looking to get into this, ask your kids or your kids' friends or somebody younger. And someone always knows someone who has an engineering mind or a little bit of an engineering background that understands this stuff. And it, it took me a few people like your buddy Chris Johnny has helped me a lot. The Boss Lounge has helped me a lot. Uh, And then when I was just in Hong Kong with a couple of guys, they helped me a tremendous amount in really getting my head around this, especially the security stuff. But there's always going to be someone in your peer group that understands this stuff a little bit better than you. So make sure if you're looking at progressing your level of involvement with crypto, get somebody good that you trust around to help you understand some of these different definitions and different systems a little bit better.
0: Yeah, but as far as, you know, when it comes to people who are experts in um, in Bitcoin, people who made a lot of money, just remember that everyone is an expert when you're in a bull market. So as mm-hmm. Bitcoin prices keep going up, everybody's a freaking genius, just like with stocks, just like with tulips, just like with, you know, <laughs> anything else that that people invest in and some people make a lot of money and some people end up losing their shirts on. So before you go 100% crypto, just be aware that you I, I would predict a fifty fifty chance of either being a genius, making a ton of money, or losing one hundred percent of it.
1: So Johnny, where does that leave you now that we know a little bit of what you did, which was buy, profit, sell? As a lot of people that would look at this and say, Wow, Johnny, you're a really smart guy. Like you you played that as a as a very tactical investor. And then of course there's a lot of people listening to that including yourself saying damn i should have held longer what was i thinking so where what's your new plan for this stuff
0: so my goal is still to own one bitcoin just to participate it's a very small amount of my net worth probably 1% of my net worth or 2% just just to have it but the problem and one of the reasons why honestly if i if i miss out and i and i lose out on the potential gains it's not the end of the world because One of the reasons why I didn't like even owning the Bitcoins is because I spent so much time and mental energy watching it go up and down, reading the news, participating in the discussions that I could have used that time doing something else. And and I think even if you own a very small amount, you're going to get sucked into the world and there's so much information. There's so much hype all the time. There's so many things coming in and out. I personally would recommend buying it and then just forgetting that you own it. And if you can do that, then you're you know then you're probably better off than somebody who spends all their time looking too much in it, in it and, and you know buying or selling more when you you know when there's news.
1: I mean, it's a huge rabbit hole. like it, I, I have 12 tabs open right now just looking at different things about cryptocurrencies, from <laughs> prices, of course, to where it's being sold, um, where the volume is, news on it. So it's it's a big rabbit hole. And if ever bust, we're just gonna look back and say, man, put a lot of time in, and <laughs> into that whole thing. Uh, and of course, I'll always have the stain of, of losing so much in, in Mt. Gox. But I guess the good thing that I'm I'm proud of that I did back then was I at least had the foresight to move some of it into a wallet. So I was able to retain that. And I looked at when I bought it, I looked at kind of upside, downside, and I thought. My friend Anthony, who um, was the one that originally told me about Bitcoin, was like, you know, super hyping it up back in like 2011, 2012. Finally, I bought some and I thought that if um, if this can become somewhat of a world currency and break the top 25 world currencies, then by money supply, it would need to get to 10,000. So to commemorate that it got to 10,000, I sold some of my holdings. Uh, and I put this in, in the boss lounge, just like my thoughts on it as well. A lot of people said I'm an idiot, blah, blah, blah. But what I wanted to do is make sure that ultimately after, even after the loss in Mount Gox, that ultimately I would profit from the entire thing. Because um, I just wanted to look at this as basically a prudent investor. And I would say that if if we didn't apply some of that and we just were holding until infinity, then we would not be applying any of the stuff that we learned doing this podcast over the last two years. So I just wanted to try to be a smart investor. Um, so I'm happy with that. I, w- I went out and bought a um, Penfolds Grange bottle of wine, which is like was on basically my bucket list to do. And and my gosh, Johnny, was it good? Oh, was
0: it good? <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed <laughs> it. And I think it was a very, very prudent decision that you had to sell enough Bitcoin to cover all of your costs. So now all the coin you own is 100% profit from now on. So whether it goes up or down, you lose it all, or you make a million dollars from it, it is now just pure profit and just pure fun, which is the smartest investment ever.
1: I would say so. So I'll keep everyone posted on what I'm doing. Um, I have a somewhat of a plan, but I'll tell you what, the more information that comes in each day, that plan changes. But ultimately, what my prediction is, is that coins will still continue going up, 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 until governments and banks start to, I don't know if the word panic is appropriate, but they're going to curtail this somehow because I don't think I don't think it's going to stop unless either you have some type of you know crazy hack where tons of pe- tons more people in these major exchanges lose money, or you have some type of of well, okay let's just use the word panic from banks and governments where they realize wow if we don't stop this our fiat currencies are are basically devaluing. And this could, this could really freeze up the entire financial system because the payment network for using these, these coins is not there yet. You can't, you just can't go buy cups of coffee or toilet paper or anything that you need to gen- basically survive with these coins. So if enough money gets locked up in the cryptocurrency ecosystem, and then banks start to get tight on credit and, and their, uh, currency, cause they're for, scared of loaning it out because they're not sure what the future is going to hold you could kind of get an economy and marketplace is stuck between these two monetary instruments and if that happens i don't know but it could be it could be really scary um so i would just tell people to take caution and pay very close and curious attention as i am and it's exciting to say uh, nothing else very cool. So to kind of wrap it all up and leave you with my recommendations
0: and predictions, I would say, no matter what you're investing in, it you have to follow the principles. So listen back on all the episodes, you know, just like with Sam did, and you know, with his prudency. Don't assume that every, you know you're a genius or everyone's a genius or you have it in just because it's going up. Just like with stocks, everything applies. You know, if everybody's a genius in a bull market when things are going up you know whatever whatever moves you make are are the are the best moves in the world but what is the most important thing about investing isn't what do you do when it goes up it's what you do when it goes down mm-hmm. so what i would recommend to everyone is keep you know roughly 30% or you know 6 to 12 months of your living expenses in cash or you know in a savings account you know maybe you know something that you have access to cash to because you don't want to sell things when they you know have a dip or go down because you have to pay rent or you have to pay your mortgage. So, everyone should have 6 to 12 months worth of money in cash. I would say up to 10% of your money in something like cryptocurrencies that is high risk, high potential reward, you know, type of investments whether that's cryptocurrencies, forex or, you know, whatever you want, but only up to 10%. And then the rest I would split up into things like stocks and index funds or in real estate. That way you are nice and diversified. So whatever happens in the world, you you know, will make money and you'll be able to live a good life.
1: That's really good advice, Johnny. And I would just say to any of those Bitcoin millionaires out there, I know we got a few of them uh, in our listeners and in the Boss Lounge. Just remember, you're not a millionaire and you didn't profit until you sell. So remember, as the price goes up, Consider selling some, lock in those those gains because nothing would be worse than reaching that level and losing it because you were greedy and, and wanted to go uh, to infinity. Yeah,
0: 100%. And if you guys want to know more about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and you want to learn from some of the experts that we actually had on the show previously, you can listen to episode 38 with Chris Dunn. That one's titled Bitcoin, Cryptocurrencies, and How to Profit, uh, as well as the episode with Ivan on Tech, which was episode 71. Yep, that called Bitcoin versus Ethereum and the Future of the Internet with Ivan on Tech. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. I'm sure there's a lot of friends that you have or family members that are interested in Bitcoin investing and and want to know more about how to actually get started this is the episode that we made for you guys to make it very easy for a one-stop shop where you know everything that you guys need to know and thanks to everyone who's left these amazing reviews of the podcast on on itunes or on whatever platform that you listen to but really just tell your friends about this episode share it and that is the best way to support the show
1: Okay, Bitcoin millionaires, I'm back to buying, and we'll catch you guys all next week. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening to the Best Leg like of Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at bestlegofboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If
1: you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week. We make USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at usaa.com
0: bundle. USAA. Restrictions apply.